2: talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect.
0: Committed to change.
2: We never really come in with a, uh... <laughs> Well, that sound effects. We never really do, but I'm going to hand this one over to Bradley Delrin Now
0: hang on, can we do a sound? Done your five seconds? No,
1: f*** it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh shit protect podcast yeah welcome nicholas brand and jeremy brown how how are we gentlemen that was an intro <laughs> it, is, it is very very explosive it was, it was very all the, all the listeners
2: are big on down they are they are well look officially we've now used the road sound effects so <laughs> uh, thank you road um that was a great entrance but um
1: Hey,
0: Jeremy's welcome. been wanting to use that soundtrack for a long, uh, long there's, there's time. There's still a few more. Look
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, anyway, there's plenty more episodes to go. Welcome, gents. Thank you. Really in the River City, Brisbane. In the River City, which is uh which is quite uh an iconic waterway. Like I've just left um Sydney this afternoon to fly up and I was actually just thinking that Brad, flying in. I mean, the Brisbane River is, you know, cut straight through uh the heart of the city. It is an amazing waterway oh it's yeah.
0: totally like it yeah it's it's the heart and soul of I think Brisbane it, it and there's a lot of activity around the river. Um, so if you're a cyclist or a runner or a kayak or a boater or anything. Um, but also we, we have a whole bunch of sort of festivities and festivals and shenanigans all up and down the uh, river's edge. Like uh, River Fire being probably one of the more famous sort of fireworks sort of displays around Brisbane. And there's obviously New Year's Eve. And every time we have a celebration, it's generally near the Brisbane River or one of its waterways. Off
2: the cuff, can you yep. Swim in the Brisbane River.
0: Uh, parts of it you probably could, uh, but look could. We're in the in the city you'd be uh, you'd be dicing with a few things. Number one being uh, bacteria and pathogens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't want to open your mouth, but number two, there's probably Someday a like
2: of- <laughs> I'd have to put you in the river for bit.
0: <laughs> if you were to go down there, Jeremy, I would hold your head underwater. Trust me. Uh, but and also, there's, uh, yeah. there's bull sharks as well. <laughs>
2: Are there? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. sharks in Sydney.
0: Too. Yeah, and they're they're one of those uh, sharks that uh, are quite aggressive. Uh, they actually, from what I understand, their visibility isn't that great, so they mm-hmm. actually. They actually fill with their mouth, and when a so when you want to if, if you don't want to get felt up by a bull shark, <laughs> no, you that don't. Way. Anyway, enough about our uh, bull shark encounters. Who have we got on today, mate? We're very excited here. We have got uh, I think it's our youngest guest of all time, so I'm pretty excited Eww. about that. Uh, it's Nicholas Brenner's. Welcome, Nicholas. Oh
1: well, thank you very much. It's really good to be here,
0: mate. Yeah. We're stoked to have you here because uh, you got, you got a lot of uh, in, you've done a lot of interesting research just recently for an intrepid young uh, professional, but. For the listeners out there... Who are you? (laughs) So for the listeners, would you want to give us a bit of of sort of uh, background as to uh, who you are and uh, what you do?
1: Oh, well, perfect. Um, Well, I guess the main things that I've embarked on with uh, my own research and everything like that is just looking at emerging contaminants. More specifically PFAS and, you know, if they're present around us. Because you hear stories from, you know, international, you know, locations and everything like that. Being concerned with these contaminants and oh wow they're everywhere and everything. so it comes to mind hmm I wonder if they're like around me you know mm. I wonder if I wonder if we are just basically you know surrounded by them and we don't even know
2: and so what what, what- oh, yeah no 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 let's back it up man I mean that accent is pretty cool <laughs> you
1: know, it's, much cooler it's, than yours you know well it's not from Bolly <laughs> Dune it's not from Newstead where you're from man well um I I guess the accent would throw everybody off because a lot of people think I'm American. You know, a lot of people. think I, I, Canadian I didn't. Or anything like that. I
0: did make that assumption, but yeah, did yeah, you? yeah. Well, only because it, it can be quite insulting for no, Canadians no. in particular, but also other, other it nationalities. Be, it can um, be. I've, yeah.
1: I've actually had it like a, a pretty, a pretty interesting okay. conversation with people, but I am from a country called Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born I, over there. I would
2: have guessed that. I was going to say Canada, but. Wow. Not <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> just wild. saying, you're saying guess we're yeah, on the Nicaragua. Yeah, I, I, course. I could tell you were really <laughs> close. Yeah, we're close.
0: Darn it, people.
1: Darn it. <laughs> so
0: where do you get your accent? Is it, is it specifically Obviously from? from Nicaragua.
1: Well, not really, I wouldn't expect. Well, my first language is Spanish. Yeah. You know, but we do learn, um, in bilingual schools, we do learn the American English because it's basically what we have over there. It ends up being just a matter of like, oh, okay, well, do you want to learn the British English? Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, my, we're the closest to you, so you learn our English and everything. Yeah. But yeah that's basically why I have it. Although a lot of my friends from over there and even American friends that I have would say, that it's been Australianized.
2: At really? Point of time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you Ooh. come over here and everything gets Aussie-nized. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know?
1: I go over there and I say, oh, yeah, no worries, man. And, right. No worries, man. And they're like, why? Why would I be worried? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's <laughs> happening <laughs> Exactly. Uh,
2: and so how long ago did you come to, I presume, Brisbane?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, to Brisbane, I've lived five years already in Brisbane, and
0: yeah. obviously, like we'll get to emerging contaminants in a sec. But obviously, uh, the the contamination, I guess, you'd experience in Nicaragua is oh, is yeah. far more obvious than that we would see in oh, the streets yeah. of Brisbane. So, you can yeah. give a feel for the listeners what's it, what, what what's it like in Nicaragua?
1: Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. I always tell my friends this and everything like that. You know, a lot of people um, I have really passionate friends for. Um, you know. Just clean streets and everything and no Mm. rubbish and, you know, the lack of use of plastic and everything like that. In Nicaragua, there's no such thing as a care for litter, if that makes sense. Mm. Sometimes people might put up signs that say, oh, well, yeah, you're going to get a 5,000 Cordoba fine, which is about $200 Mm -hmm. or something like that, $200 Australian. If you are seen littering here, people litter there more because they they even see it as more of a challenge. Mm. There's no real awareness over there about the dangers, you know, of litter, you know, and just overall there's no real culture of just keeping the place clean. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people just see it as a way of just like, okay, I finished my bottle of water and everything. Like that. Easy yes. to just throw, throw it away. What well, are, you, are
2: you talking about? Brisbane?
1: No, no, Nicaragua. Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Nicaragua. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I look like, for sure, really, yeah, yeah.
2: like, Hey, sure. It looks like, you know, well, we've got signs down here. Mm. We've got signs everywhere in the Western world. Do you think that actually makes a difference? It does. It does does. a lot. Okay, but (laughs) really, it it, it is. I Mm. I I reckon down here, you know, we're just in front of you
1: by Mm. ten years. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say I'd say it's it's just a matter of. I always tell my friends, you know, who have lived here in Australia the whole lives and everything like that. I have friends who haven't really gone out of Australia, and I just tell them. Go to a third world country, yeah. you're gonna be impressed by the amount of people and the amount of litter. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredible, honestly. You know, I I I always tell this story because it's really I guess it really gives context. You know, the reason why there's a littering kind of um culture in Nicaragua is because when we were back, you know, back when we were being colonized by Spain, you know, food worked and foodstuffs were wrapped around in banana leaves, mm. generally speaking, to keep them fresh. So what happens is people ate the bana- the the food in the banana leaf and then they just throw the banana mm. leaf away yeah when there is a banana leaf being thrown away there's no problem because it's mm. biodegradable when you replace that with plastic over time and people still have that culture of throwing it away that's when we start
2: seeing the wait we we, um, we interviewed Ace Bucken um uh, oh dear at the very start of this yeah. podcast mission yeah. and um in, in Bali something that he he mm. noticed, you mm. know, oh, like the offerings you skip yeah. away were wrapped in, in banana leaves. Mm. Now we're wrapping them in plastic and it's generational. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know,
0: that, that that's some mind. It's incredible thing. because
1: it, it just gets passed on as you know, parents do it, the kids will do it. Yeah, yeah. Their kids will do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm.
0: You've come over here to study at university. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm
1: currently just completing. Actually, in a week from now, I submit my final thesis for wow. my Bachelor of Environmental Management. Congratulations! Oh yeah. no, 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 that's so good. Thank you. So I, that's why you pulled a, a four a.m. all nighter last night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're under the pump. Uh, just last night. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's try and, uh, <laughs> every night of, for the past few months. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Like it's it's a lot of work, but it's 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 gratifying because it's something that I'm very passionate about as well. So cool. where did you
0: get that? passion from so obviously you're very passionate about sort of Mm. environmental management and, and pollution so but where does that come from
1: my own country yeah you guys like you guys have no idea like you know when i go back to nicaragua and stuff i mean you guys do have an idea of like you know what litter is like but when i go back and i look at the state of my country you know and look at how contamination really just is so prominent over there and people don't really care you know, because there is no awareness of these things. There's not somebody, like, telling the public, you know, this and this and this is happening. Mm. Which is incredible when I see, you know, here people saying or having concerns over PFAS and stuff like that. And all uh, these emerging contaminants mm. are just new and alarming. In Nicaragua, we're still wondering, oh, is this water safe to drink? Because mm. it might have bacteria. Which is, yeah. you know, incredible. It's like yeah. it's like taking a, I don't know, like a trip yeah. back in time, if yeah. that makes sense. yeah. yeah.
0: So the, obviously the litter is a very visible pollutant mm. and uh, whilst there's a lot in Nicaragua, there's also a, a significant amount in, in, our, in our streets and roads and waterways mm. within Brisbane and around Australia. Um, but your the focus of your uh, undergraduate mm-hmm. uh, thesis and also your honours thesis has mm-hmm. actually been in relation to what we call emerging contaminants. and yeah. You mentioned PFAS, but uh, just backtrack. So what is an emerging contaminant?
1: I guess we all refer to them as emerging contaminants because they are contaminants that we normally didn't really test for 20 Mm. years ago. We just started seeing them up and we just started seeing, oh, well, these things are appearing in water and everything. Why are they not going away? Mm. Because they're persistent. I guess a really simple definition of an emerging contaminant is a possibly persistent contaminant that, you know, is newly emerging and presents concerns that are yet unknown. Mm. That makes sense. That's, that's what I feel an emerging contaminant is and that includes many like for example PFAS is one of them pharmaceuticals and water is one of them uh, microplastics is mm. a huge one yeah of them
0: so emerging contaminants so the key ones I guess in terms of I guess the, the focus of not just your research but maybe mm-hmm. others has been uh, PFAS and we'll, we'll come to what define what PFAS is in a yep. sec but we're talking about uh, microplastics yep. and so uh, microplastics is essentially polymer particles less than 5 millimeters. Mm-hmm. and then you've got pharmaceuticals, and pharmaceuticals and so and they're obviously uh, c- uh, compounds or chemicals that obviously humans have ingested yep. um, through yep. their day-to-day activities mm-hmm. and it's somehow into our waterways and is there another, there was another one wasn't there?
1: You could potentially consider um, well estrogens I guess you could, you could yeah, consider them out of pharmaceuticals yeah. and stuff like that there are many others as well, there are many um, you know pesticides are a huge thing yeah. in waters and everything like that I guess that's less emerging because we've known about the problems yeah. with DDT and things yeah. like that you know for years, decades now. Yeah, yeah. I'm but. from New
2: Zealand. DDT, boom, <laughs> you, over there. Is drink
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Basically, <laughs> South make-
0: so, Island, New Zealand. So they're emerging go. because we generally just could not test for them or would not test for them. Say in a, in um, until recent mm-hmm. times.
1: Well, um, I'd say they're emerging because we just didn't know, or we just yeah. we just. We just didn't know, but but it? is it a
2: case of not knowing or not wanting to know? So, so for instance, hey, mm-hmm. hey, everything's all good. It's uh, <laughs> <you know, let's laughs> there. Let's not test for those other things that are going. Ping, 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 <laughs>
0: let's talk about PFAS. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. what so, well, what, what is PFAS?
1: Well, the it's just an acronym that's you know refers to perfluoroalkyl substances. It's generally anything you know that contains. It's a long carbon chain that contains fluorine instead of hydrogens and everything like that. It's used because, well, these are generally used in surfactants. It's basically a substance, an organic substance, that was developed by scientists and humans to be used as surfactants. They have been used in air bases mostly. you know, as, Air force bases, yeah, yes. Air, yeah, exactly, air force bases and airports due to their capacity to basically smother flames by separating the flame from the fuel.
2: It's basically that what... You know, foam stuff you see exactly. that gets nailed on planes in a crash. Mm. Exactly, PFAS.
0: Exactly. So, so it's associated with air force bases and airports because they do regular
1: firefighting
0: training and mm. testing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah? Exactly. How many of them are in the country?
1: There must be heaps. You, I, I have seen um, historic accounts of usage, well, in Brisbane Airport, Brisbane yeah. International Airport, yeah. as well as the closer Archerfield Airport, which is. Just right next to where I live. So that's. So, no. <laughs> so I think
0: it'd be fair to say every airport in the country, and there's a lot of airports, mm-hmm. not just the major ones, but also the minor ones. Well, well so, yeah. so
2: is there anywhere that you've got an emergency service, sort of like, hey, if something
1: happens, something or whatever, happens? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a lot
0: exactly. of those locations have to have their own on site. A um, firefighting, firefighting team. Exactly. So obviously as part of their firefighting team, they need to do regular training. So that might happen every day. They also need to test, um, to your equipment to test their to equipment. Mm. So that means often so spraying their oh, – Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Mm. And because of the volume and just the sheer amount, well, the volume of fuel that, you know, they have to handle it as well in airports and stuff uh, for big airliners. Yeah, or, yeah. if you've got, you got a know,
2: big for, uh, airbus coming in, you got to put, put the fire out, you need a lot of PFAS. Exactly, yeah. you need a lot of PFAS.
1: But now, you know, now that we know what PFAS are, which are these contaminants that, well, they're basically inert in many environmental um, environments. They can survive where they can like go a with that. cockroach, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, it's like I, I would say, you know what, I actually had that thought. Of, God, these are the cockroaches <laughs> <So> of contaminant. <laughs> if, if, I, if I use the scenario of a,
0: of, a, of a person testing some firefighting um, mm-hmm. foam on the ground or on a, on a sort of fuel mm-hmm. uh, lit up area, they test it. That that sort of PFAS will stay essentially in the environment. It Almost. just doesn't break down, and and also one of the key risks, and and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, mm-hmm. um, is it actually stays within yeah. our bodies, yeah, yeah, and also what they call bioaccumulates as mm-hmm. well.
2: Now even I know what that means. Um, so we this is pretty scary stuff. Now I just want to um, ask you, Brad. I think you've mm. got something to say. You you in your uh, former life have done. A little bit of work into a bit of PFAS. So, just want to for the record say what you can and cannot say. Like, you, do you have some understanding what PFAS is?
0: Yeah, look, I'll I'll, I'll say this. So, uh, for several months, I was. Um, uh, Providing some sort of, um, I, I was involved in providing in some professional professional capacity around providing advice around PFAS, uh, and uh, I won't say who it was for or what it was for, but yeah, I have people yeah, least stupid. Yeah, I have some uh, technical expertise or experience in PFAS and the consequences and the and I guess the chemistry as well. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: Um, Cool. Okay, great. So then my knowledge going into PFAS is, and I'll do a um, a shout out, even though we don't talk about um, products really, but um, Mm -hmm. uh, Jake and Sean from Heldon Industries, they work just down the road from us uh, and they are – very into this PFAS and what they can do to treat it. So shout well, out to you boys.
0: It's interesting, and to be honest, I think a lot of people are now into PFAS, and this is, I guess, one of the key reasons I was keen to get Nicholas on the on the show because it's a hell of a topic. It's a hot topic. It's called. It's PFAS has been called the asbestos of the twenty first century. Mm. Okay. It is. It is uh, a key emerging contaminant. Yeah, but is, hold, on, hold on. But it's not in everybody' building. No, well, okay. Well, so I'll segue for a on, sec. I'm the layman. Here, okay, I'll so segue for a sec. So, um, Nicholas. Nicholas mentioned a few airports and air bases, but it's 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 in a lot of areas. You imagine anywhere that someone has sprayed some firefighting foam on the ground, and that could be in a car accident, it could be as a precautionary measure.
1: Yeah. You know, non nonstick fry pans that use Teflon and everything like that, Teflon, one of the. Are you telling me Teflon is PFAS? One of the breakdown products of Teflon oh, contains beef. God damn it. Mm. So,
0: your nonstick fry pan? Mm. Mm-hmm. That yep. is scary.
1: I went to Aldi. I've yesterday. got a Teflon,
0: but a clothing. A lot of people do. So, well, I've any, got this Teflon mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah. mm-hmm. If fabric,
1: It's a it's yeah. fabric that's basically just guards against staining. And, and fabrics and stuff like that. Yeah. That's beef us. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, <laughs> waterproof clothing? Yeah. Right.
2: We, we, we've started mm-hmm. here. I think um, I think you should take over and just tell us about what you
1: know about the history of PFAS. Where does it come from? Yeah. How do we get to this point? And um, the show's over to you. Well, what I understand from the research that I've been doing is that PFAS is just, it's, it is very prominent in these firefighting foams that have been used. Um, the capacity of it to be a good surfactant for a firefighting foam, a surfactant is basically like a soap. It is not hydrophilic and it's not lipophilic. That means basically that PFAS does not interact well with water and it does not interact well with fuel. So what that means is that it creates a separating layer between the fuel and the actual heat itself, you know, with the fire, yeah. which allows it to basically extinguish the fire. It creates a protective layer between the fuel and the yeah. heat added yeah. to the fuel, which smothers basically the flames themselves. That also works with stains yeah. for fabrics and things like that. What it does is that it prevents the oily stains or the water stains or something like that, or the watery stains from actually oh, adhering true. to the yeah, 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 to yeah. the actual um clothes itself. It is basically just like a shield.
0: So for its purpose, it's actually a, it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful chemical. It's a very it's effective, yeah, very effective chemical. And it's obviously been used, mm. I guess you'd say, successfully.
1: When was PFAS emitted? Well, I know for a fact it's a man-made um compound, probably coming up and emerging in the mid seventies, probably. Mm. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, yeah. don't quote me on that. They came about for the same reason as you guys said, you know, well, we know that this works, it's revolutionary, it is amazing, you know, but we just didn't know what it could do afterwards. We just didn't consider these things.
0: When did we start as a human population, when did we start actually raising concerns around PFAS?
1: I guess when it started appearing in blood serums. People don't realize this, but um, the foreseeable population here in Brisbane or in any other location may have a... Quantifiable amount of PFAS in their blood, and that's that is pretty scary mm. because these things are just everywhere, and mm. they transport over long distances. So there's many pathways um, for PFAS and everything like that. Uh, I guess I'll provide an example. Let's say, for example, we are in um, in an air force base that has you know used PFAS you know in the um, in the past. PFAS is not going anywhere. PFAS, and specifically two major contaminants of or major species. PFOS, which is perfluorooctane sulfonate, and PFOA, which is perfluorooctanoic acid. So these two contaminants are very prominent in firefighting foams. Let's say that they're they're just basically there, you know, in the air force base. These contaminants will not go anywhere. They're not uh, broken down by the sun. They're not broken down by bacteria. Actually, bacteria take them in. They can become adhered to the soils. They can go into water. They can go into groundwater, too. Now, you have... I'll just give an example. You have soil or sediment that has been dried up, you know, and it and it is it has been in contact with PFOS. This sediment can be entrained by wind by wind erosion and be transported over thousands of kilometers and end up in places that had no quantifiable amount of PFOS or any interaction with these contaminants. And, and once
2: it's there, it becomes available to exactly. other things to.
0: Well, it, it doesn't break down. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, I know but and
2: okay, so, say for instance – It's, hey, like, a the, it's yeah, like a transfer. It's so, like a transfer. Yeah, so basically, hey, look, I'm over in uh, England right now, you mm-hmm. know, some soils and whatever it's got there. Then does it become available – yeah. yeah,
1: because it doesn't break wow. down. It stays in its own shape and form. It so doesn't
0: break down and if and if it is uptaken by a, an organism, yeah, an such organism. as a human, oh no, but it, actually, bioavailable yeah, to it actually is, is stored to within our, I believe, fatty tissue and it stays there essentially until we get consumed by something else and that might actually be absorbed by something. So in terms of um, human health pathways, mm-hmm. how would potentially I have PFAS in my blood. Mate, just have one look at his haircut. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just. It it's shampoo. That's, that's what I <laughs> haircut. That's not carrot bloody It's a small price to pay for volume <laughs> hair. Uh, <laughs> ha- seriously, how, is, how could I, as a human, I have what, how would I have PFAS in my system?
1: Inhalation, ingestion, and skin contact. All three of them. All wow. three of them can lead to contamination. That's scary, man. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. how would
0: I expose? So, how would I increase my risk of exposure?
1: Well, say, for example, that there is a contaminated water um, waterway, you mm-hmm. know, and everything, and we do we just don't know about it. You go swimming in it. If you spend an amount of time swimming in it, you will absorb a certain, like, and yeah, you but, will
2: absorb. We need to say it, spend some time with it. Is it one-touch contact, you know, you're, you're, you're a zombie, mm-hmm. you know? Or is
1: that, <laughs> no, 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 oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. want to, you know,
2: just to clarify that. Yeah, no, is to go. Absolutely. So you need, you need to spend some time with it. What's the relationship with you and, well, person and PFAS?
1: Well, the thing is we still, well, at least in – because it's such an emerging um, topic – And, you know, there's ethics with, um, you know, science projects and everything like that. We still yet don't know what the interaction is between the human body Mm. and PFOS or PFOA. You know, we still don't know the way it just gets uptaken. we know that we receive it through these pathways, but we don't know if it's just a single contact thing or, you know, or is it, does it require a lot of time of contact? I guess it it depends as well on many other factors, such as, you know, the concentration of it in the water and the amount of time that you spend in the water. Yeah. The more exposure, the more likelihood you are, yeah.
0: And it's okay. like anything, like there's, there's risk profiles. Exactly. So for example, like for sure, PFAS might be uh, uh, everywhere at yeah. varying concentrations, but it's obviously going to be at higher concentrations downstream of known PFAS mm. sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So for example, like uh, if so PFAS is used at a, uh, an airport, for example, yep. uh, and is, is used on the ground and it A typical uh, transport pathway would be rain falls and washes the PFAS into a surface drain and then that surface drain conveys conveys the water and PFAS into subsequent downstream Mm. waterways, creeks, rivers, ultimately the ocean. Uh, And obviously if you are downstream of those or using those waterways, Mm. whether it be uh, uh, recreational as in swimming or um, secondary contact like boating or if you are consuming fish Mm. um, or or other sort of – aquatic life uh, from those uh, waterways, you are obviously at a higher risk of contamination relative to say, if you were consuming something that was fairly remote from a known PFAS source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but in terms of those, that's a sort of, I guess, a quick overview of pathways, but what are the human health implications of having PFAS in our system? In our blood
1: serums. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have done a lot of research on this and many, basically the consensus right now is we still haven't seen much done. We don't know what might happen in 20 years from now if we're going to see more, um, you know, more effects. Basically, the effects that are right now that are accepted by international health governance bodies is that PFAS increases the vulnerability of the body towards cancer of protein rich areas, protein rich areas such as the liver, you know, testicles, stomach, all these things, you know, um, basically speaking. That's the consensus. Many studies have basically concluded or found a correlation as well with um, newborns, you know, and their weight at birth being affected by PFAS. It is. It it, is it, incredible. It's incredible. Right. Sorry, I'm just yeah. going to stop here. Isn't it amazing?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, even you know, where are we now? 2019. Mm-hmm. That even in the 70s we come up with a product and we go, "Hey, man, it just it works." Let's not ask any questions. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. so many years later, we're like. Maybe we should thought about exactly. that. And now it's going to take us ages to do some studies on it to see whether it's – like we could all be bloody gone in 20 mm. years' time. Why? We came into contact once with PFAS. <laughs> it could be something cool. like an outbreak film. Mm.
0: But, yeah, but, but how on a point is, to think it too stuff. much P
2: PFAS as well. It could be well, any chemical. Well, who is PFAS? Is it owned by anyone? Is it, is it Mr. PFAS? <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: No. I, do you know well, no, no. I mean, PFAS was just majorly used in these um, – Yeah, know, but uh, is, yeah. So is
2: there, a, yeah. is there a, a professor that came up with it? Is it an open source thing? Can I make some PFAS? Look,
0: I, I don't think I, – I, like, I don't know this, and I'm not sure if Nicholas does either, but I think it's fair to say that uh, there may not be a single owner or proprietor of PFAS, but certainly um, the distributors and producers, it's fair to say, that probably would have a financial incentive for uh, a PFAS to be used at, at a mass scale. Yeah, so it would, be, sure. it would be – if it's not one company, it's many. Yeah, companies yeah, 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 benefiting yeah. from the sale no, and, and use that. And then when you think
2: about it, the way it was developed is hey, 133 people nearly died today on the end of a runway, but yeah. we save them because we cover them with yeah. PFAS. Yeah. Whether we save them or not long term, we don't know. Mm. But hey, they're not burnt, everything's all right. Boom, our airline lives on. No, That's a, pretty much It's a good point. So that is that
0: it airline driven? No, no, I don't think it's airline. I think there was a Do problem. You know? I no, I don't know, but I think like from I think the point you raised, raised before is a good one in terms of we identify a chemical that um, we know it actually provides some sort of beneficial usage, um, and that could be any any chemical. It could be a, for a cosmetic purpose, or it mm. could be for a for a for a human health uh, benefit, or whatever. But and then twenty or thirty years down the track, we identify that there may be some sort of link to human health. Yeah, how so come we didn't how, actually do this well investigation no, thirty or so years well, well ago when we were it, first how, developing? How, how
2: come the checks and balances aren't mm-hmm. there really to go? Hey guys,
1: great product, it's a great question. Think it's awesome, but let's just do some checks over. It. Let's some mm-hmm. run some like. But that's I the thing. I guess, right? I guess it's the whole. You know, it's a testament to the twentieth century in itself. You know, we basically became too confident in how much we could grow. You know that we just said, well. We're just going up, up and up and up, and we just don't we don't even consider. We don't care. That's called growing, exactly. And when we're in climate, you know, when we're looking at climate change and everything, and the problems that we're suffering right now, it is because of that growth. It is because we have become more, you know, a lot more active and everything like that. We have basically ended up, you know, manipulating the environment to suit our needs, you know, by creating, you know, these man-made, you know. Substances such as chlorofluorocarbons, we and that when we started using so, them, so
0: chlorofluorocarbons, people might not know that the full term, but they may be more familiar with the with the acronym CFCs. CFCs. Thank exactly. you, Brad.
1: Well, we have we have them. You know, when when they came out, CFCs, they um, they were basically used for refrigeration. Yeah, we have them. You know, we put them in a fridge and everything like that. Amazing. It can provide us with uh, a means of you know keeping our food for longer and everything like that. Oops. It actually. Uh-oh. Oops. Yeah. It actually <laughs> damages the environment and indirectly produces higher amount of cancer or so, higher. But and, know, and it burned
0: a hole in our ozone layer. Exactly. I don't know where was that hole burnt. Oh, it's probably over New Zealand. So who cares? It was, mate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was. This is, that, that
0: was. Okay,
2: that's another yeah. episode. Yeah, It yeah, was. Yeah. It was like like as a Kiwi. Like I mean, you look at like I've got very dark skin. The burn time when you go home, like when I was. Yeah, you know, yeah, twenty years ago, mm-hmm. you get burnt in four minutes in New mm-hmm. Zealand. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just when well, it still isn't. It, I mean, it's closed up a bit now, but it was intense. Yeah. So
0: I'm just boom. thankful that you're doing less nude sunbathing. I'll be honest with you.
2: No man, here all week folks. Wow, that's, that's smooth. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. Episodes are released weekly and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.